you're listening to How I See It, hosted by Han. You guessed it, that's me. I am here to motivate and inspire you with guests from all different industries and backgrounds. So get ready for personal stories of success, of growth, full of highs and lows, and of course, unapologetic realness. This is How I See It. Okay, you guys, I have Ashley Sumner on the podcast today. She is the CEO and founder of Liminal, a modern coaching platform supporting people to unlock their full potential. She's had multiple companies that she's going to touch on today. She's going to get into her whole entire story. I'm just really excited to have you. I enjoyed our conversation a couple weeks ago, and I just know you have a lot to say. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Hannah. Of course. I'm just going to have you jump right in. Like, I just want to hear, I know that we talked a little bit before about your journey to getting to Liminal. And I know there's been a lot of like turns and recourses, and I would love for you to just get into it and how you got here. (laughs) Um, Destiny? I don't know. Um, yeah, I think like, if you would have asked me in my 20s, if I could have like said this is how it would have turned out, I couldn't have guessed it for the life of me. And that's the thing that I really love most in proving to ourselves that we have absolutely kind of no control over the outcome, even though we obsessively think we do and have anxiety thinking that we do. A hundred percent. I feel like anytime something doesn't go my way, instead of doing the thing I should do, which is like surrender, this is going to lead me to the right place. I start panicking and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I think it's, it's important to helicopter view like that. It's good. Yeah. It's good to understand that hindsight is of course, 2020, but I oftentimes when I'm like, but where is this going to lead? It's like, I don't have to know the answer. And I do feel like I'm sitting in a place where I'm so happy that it led me to here, but I could have never planned it. I've had such an unconventional career. And I like talking about that because I don't think we go through school and we grow up and we maybe get good grades or we maybe don't fit in or maybe stressed about school or figuring out where we're going to intern. We don't understand like the meaning of any of these things. And I am like living proof that you can have a very unconventional path and kind of create your career and your purpose as you go. And that's why I'm happy you're here to like, especially from hearing little bits of your stories of like how you've had so many companies before this. I feel like people think that the entrepreneur journey is just like this straight, beautifully upward line. And that's just like never the case. And you're a testament to that. It is true. I, uh, I, I went to school for drama and psychology. I thought I was going to be a performer. I, I love that. Theater nerds unite. <laughs> such a musical theater nerd. I'm down on, to get down with you on that. And I needed a side hustle. And I stumbled into a, a career in matchmaking as a, as a side hustle turned like full-time career for five years. Let me stop you really quick because I was so curious to ask you. Like what like inspired you to like want to matchmake? Like was were you like the designated like friend group person who set people up? Did you just feel like you were good at it? Like, where did that inspiration come from? Um, Well, I was 21 when the opportunity presented itself to me in the form of I was asked by another matchmaker in asking if I would go out on a date with one of their clients. Oh, Um, okay. And at first I was like, no, that sounds so strange. Like I'm young. I just graduated NYU. I'm living in New York City. You know, and as and then I realized I'm not a no person. I, I like to say yes at least once. I like to try new things. That is a personality type. I think yeah. 
of an entrepreneur is like down, down to go first, down to try. So I ended up going out on a date with this person who I ended up in a very serious long-term relationship with. I wow. lived with this person. I was like, whoa, that worked. That's, that is so interesting. So that wow. was the beginning of me. I mean, this is before... Like, I'm going to, I'm going to date myself. This is before Tinder. Like this is before dating apps existed. Yeah. So it was very taboo, the good times. Very, yeah, <laughs> very weird. There's yeah. a big stigma. Something must be wrong with you if you need a matchmaker. Um, but I loved the personal touch. I loved that somebody got to know me. Somebody got to know him. They thought of us together. There was just a level of consideration and care and as somebody who just does love connecting people, human connection, anything in the form of connection I'm excited about, I ended up approaching this company and saying, how can I help? Like, how can I support? I'm a walking testimonial for you. Like, what yeah. can I do? And so that's, I think, another good example when you're really young of following your passion and following the thing that lights you up and gets you excited. Because I was turned on by this idea of matchmaking. I was so enamored with it and thought it was so fun, far more fun than me being a bartender. I go to bed at like 9 p.m. That was never going to work for me as my side hustle. So yeah, we get these breadcrumbs. I think follow the signs, follow the breadcrumbs, and you end up exactly where you're meant to be. Well, the interesting thing is, and like me, I know you're going to get into it more, but like me knowing your story now, like it's cool to see like the beginning of like you dabbling into connection and like connecting humans and like that's what you do now but I think a lot of times people want to start a business or they're entrepreneurial but they don't know exactly what to go for and they don't look like within like what you're actually missing in your life like what you're actually passionate about the value you could bring to others and I think for you it was obvious that you wanted to bring connection into this space like into the entrepreneurial space into people's lives whether it's with their career or mental health wise so anyway I won't talk for you no that's so true. And I'm honored that in 30 minutes of knowing me, you're able to distill me in a way that's taken me like 15 years to distill myself because it's true. I've been on a journey of connecting like my own relationship with connection and within myself and with others. And as I've been internally navigating that as an area that's that can bring up pain for me and an area that brings up excitement and it's part of my unique gift. And I do mm -hmm. think it's really important that we spend the time nurturing our unique gifts and then figuring out how to apply that through what vehicle we apply that. And that can be career and school and relationships and family. But once we know that, it's who we are in any vehicle that we're applying it to. So I love that you're able to do that. Totally. It's obvious to me, especially just like getting my little spark notes snippet of your story before. But would you say that like for you, it was like a trial and error thing? It was trial and error. And it was like a strong inner voice. Like I, I did matchmaking that. for five years. I absolutely loved doing it. I loved every person I met with. I worked with like I met with thousands of people one on one and heard about their love lives. Wow. You know, people from their 20s to their 60s, their first marriage, their third marriage, kids, no kids. Like, I got to hear the human experience, and that was so beautiful. And I got, and nothing is permanent. So I got to a place where I was ready to evolve. I was evolving as a person, and I knew I wanted to have what felt like for me a greater impact. So I wanted to reach more people than the one on one matchmaking. 
And I was really, I cared a lot about this concept of building community before anyone was really talking about building community and particularly connecting people for exponential impact. And I, I didn't exactly know what that meant and how that was going to show up, but I just knew that I felt limited by matchmaking. And yeah. so I set out and every person I ever met with who I admired during a period of time between matchmaking and the next phase of my career, I asked if they would have a coffee with me. And I just basically interviewed anyone that I thought was inspiring to learn about their journey and That's collect so cool. ideas. You know, and that's, you know, we take this step by step. And so I ended up fast tracking. I ended up having a career working for startup companies as like the in-house community builder. So membership, community, programming experience, early days at this company called Noya House, which was like a social club and Wonderlust, which was a yoga music festival around the world and Breakout, which was a social impact conference. Like I really got to try my hand in all the ways that people would meaningfully connect offline and as a result grow because of those connections. So cool. It's cool that like you got to start practicing and like dabbling in like community building. I talked a lot on a previous episode about like building a community online. And I think a lot of times, especially in this day and age, people forget that you can build a community offline. Like that is one of the most important things about creating a business or a restaurant or anything is like there has to be this human connection aspect that I think a lot of people don't consider because that is the core of like human experience like people want to feel connected to whatever they're soliciting to whatever they're doing whatever they're putting their money into I think the smartest thing I did in my 20s that I didn't know I was doing was building my own community yeah which was just me just meeting people and learning and giving feedback and giving and receiving and just and and i say the word community i do not mean networking i think there can be a disingenuous tone to the concept of networking i don't believe in doing something just for an extrinsic value or exchange i mean authentically authentically building relationships networking is very like one-off like when i think of networking i think like okay i'm like getting to know people i think community is more time consuming it takes more energy it's more of a slow game and i think especially me as a creator like this has been like a slow and steady like journey of building a community of value like that takes more than just like a one-off network it takes like effort and energy to like actually put together a community and it takes like a genuine care and love for like what you're doing Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Yeah. I mean, and when I like in getting to know you and getting to know the community you've built online, the difference in how you're describing it to me is that you have clear values and you live and breathe those values and those values welcome others around you for an ongoing relationship that builds over time. Thank you for saying that. The value, the value, yeah, the value of networking is like, you've got something I want. I got something you want. Are we going to do this or not? Yeah. It's like, like a one night stand yeah (laughs) totally that's the difference yeah and it has like value like networking does like have a value but community is not the same thing it's a long game and it like means something and I think the cool thing about your story is like you were probably getting to like learn and test like how 
to build community at like a higher level because now you have an app, yeah. which I'll let you get into. Because that's what happened. I then got to the end of the road of my offline community building and we're going to learn about, we all have patterns. My pattern is like, okay, I've learned this thing. How can I go bigger? Yeah. <laughs> I kept wanting to go like bigger. Like to me, it was impact and impact and impact. And I'm so grateful for the offline community experiences that I had. They've had such a profound impact on my life and the people that have been a part of it. And I also knew part of my, um, one of my core values and reasons I exist is around inclusivity. Love that. Um, and inclusivity to me uh, is in kind of direct conflict with privilege and offline communities typically as a business require a level of privilege just because you have to be able to physically show up and pay for that price point and be accepted and yeah. you know all of these all of these you know barriers of entry that to me I was like ooh but in technology like not I know not everybody has a phone not everybody has wi-fi but many people do and now this opens up the opportunity for inclusivity at a much greater scale so Alas, the musical theater psychology major from NYU who knows how to tap dance is like, I'm going to figure out how to launch a tech company. I love that. Uh, and, and there, and here we are. So I really want to back you up and get into like the beginning. What was the company right before this one called? It was called Quilt, right? Yes. 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 I would love for you to get into that because I remember you talking about the start of that and like how passionate you were about the project and it not going exactly the way you thought, ultimately leading you to a higher, much better place. But I think that transition and that reality is really hard. It's almost like a grieving process. Oh, yeah. Every level, there's a new devil, huh? Oh, that's so um, good. I'm going to start saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. And grieving is a very good word because I did go through quite quite a grieving process at the time. I'm like, what is this? I don't understand. This is not my identity. I go, I, you know, I'm, I'm passionate. I'm fire and I create. And all of a sudden it was like, I can't, like, I can't find her. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't know why. And it was really because I was going through an emotional experience that has made me, you know, who I am today. So I started Quilt in, it was 2017. And it was inspired by just realizing how amazing women particularly are at community building and welcoming people into their homes and how that's already this this container that exists that we have access to that is basically our own little mini social club yeah you know where I, the space that i'm in why not invite people into it so quilt launched as a marketplace that inspired women to open up their homes to gather women for conversations experiences co-working really had a, a neighborhood by neighborhood feel so cool. uh, to it. Yeah. Very, very Yeah. Cool. It was really what took off was that we wanted to get together and we wanted to talk and not like, what did you do this weekend? And, you know, it was, what are you going through? Like, What's your relationship with your family? Yeah. We, unpacked. yeah, like we unpacked and it was, oh, my cup was, I mean, I was in deep, meaningful group conversations with some of the most inspiring people for sometimes four or five hours a day, wow. different groups, different, ho different homes around Los Angeles, different groups, 5,000 all, all over the place. And it was, yeah, incredibly fulfilling. And I could imagine that at that point you were like, 
this is it. This is what I've dreamed of connection wise. I'm building community. I'm making a difference and allowing people to like really get vulnerable and talk. It didn't go exactly how it was planned. And that must've been really devastating for you. COVID COVID and the sheltering in place is devastating for so many reasons, you know, and in the, in the moment I turned more into like a survivalist mindset of like, how do we, how does this experience get to translate in a reality where strangers are no longer gathering in homes? Yeah. So I, I don't know if I totally processed those feelings. I'm probably still processing those feelings because there's a part of me that just misses those conversations those women in those homes but it was interesting because on a societal level a bigger issue surfaced and all of a sudden I felt called to how do I translate that online how do I go completely digital so that these types of conversations can still exist when we can't be close in connection in proximity you had to pivot I had to pivot and I also like I felt very called to initiate that shift around a mental health crisis that I don't even think I, I don't even think I knew that's what I was doing until that happened. You were almost like preparing through quilt for the moment of actually starting what you were meant to do. And I feel like we talked about it a little bit in our conversation, but like this year has been, she's been out for blood. It's been rough (laughs) getting into the last couple of years. I've been in this place of like, Oh my God. Yes. Like, I'm in it. I've built what I wanted to build. Like it's continuing. I see the horizon. Like I'm moving closer. And then I got like, I got thrown a little bit. And I was like, what the hell? Like this year is not going the way I'd planned it to go. Everything was going so great. What's going on? And I kind of had to take a step back and like let my ego recover a bit because I realized, and you could probably really relate to this, that like my mental health and my value was set so much in my job and things going well. And like my my identity was almost in like, obviously in what I do because it's my job and I care about it, but also because like my job is a self brand. And so it was really hard for me, like to actually have to like separate myself and not take it so deeply and personally to the point where it was actually messing up my mental health. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can say today is today I'm 35. I, I turned 35 a few months ago and this is the first year where I don't feel like my identity is built on things outside of myself. That's really powerful. And I, I went through a lot of confusion in answering the question, who am I? And I think we're always answering that question. I think it's really healthy to keep coming back and, and exploring that and understanding that and allowing that to evolve and allowing Mm -hmm. ourselves to evolve. But without, without going through letting go of quilt and creating liminal my my company now i don't think i would have done that you know to to be forced to take a massive step back and to surrender completely to the unknown which is you know the name liminal comes from i mean the definition of it is the relation of transitioning an initial stage of a process so you're in liminal space you're in a threshold you're in the gray area and in that space feels like it's completely unknown. There's a lot of fear, a lot of excitement, a lot of confusion, and it can be really lonely to say, I have no idea what comes next, but I'm going to completely surrender and trust the process of what it means to show up and be connected to myself and my inner compass. Totally. Totally. I feel like 
in these moments because I can now confidently say like looking back on this year like it's been a bitch but I'm so happy that I had to settle I was forced I like how you said that like being forced because I feel like sometimes as entrepreneurs you almost like don't allow yourself to like be still and take a beat and think about like the way things need to move you almost have to be forced into it and I think for me I was forced to like sit down and be like oh I haven't Out of all the healing work I've done the last few years, I haven't been faced with an identity crisis of like, I now feel not worthy because I'm not doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing at the capacity I thought I was supposed to be doing it. It allows for growth that's necessary to catapult further, but it can be a rude awakening. I mean, to me, that is that all the work you did prepared you to have the tools to be able to meet that this year and usually what that means is that your authentic self is finally surfacing you're ready you're actually meant to meet yourself in a way because you're ready to to be that person but the journey is um humbling to say the least (laughs) what did that process look like for you how quickly did you come up with this new idea get us into your mind a little bit about what was going on for a time period we brought quilt online so we we had we had an app online and it really became kind of a, a supportive space as people were navigating mental health and personal growth and well-being it was people were able to have these synchronous conversations because we were sheltering in place and it we were able to create a supportive environment. And it was beautiful because obviously in the home, you can only connect with people who are in proximity with you. But now all of a sudden people are making their friends because I'm sitting here and somebody else is sitting in Kansas and I would have never met them otherwise. So we we had the chance to do that for a period of time and which allowed me to be in almost all of those conversations. So you can imagine where I was in maybe five conversations a day when quilt was in homes to now I'm in 50 a day. Yeah. Yeah. And hearing like how people are talking and how they're connecting and what they're going through. And I learned something um, that realigned my purpose. When I talk about the term connection, I've been so focused on connecting people with each other. And there's a huge, there was a, a big, a big gap in what I was doing because without the tool of connecting with yourself, it can feel just as lonely when you're trying to connect with other people. Well, and I think confusing as well. Like I really can yeah. relate to like this part of your story because I think for my job, like I'm showing up vulnerably online. Like I'm trying to create a space where people can feel safe and like I'm putting everything out there and I'm trying to create a community based in connection. And I've, you know, I've put in the work and hours and time to be good at it and I'm continuing to grow and learn. But I realized like over the last year and a half, two years that I was so bad at like being like vulnerable with my feelings and with myself and like connecting like back to me. And I was like putting out to the world, like I was good in like a work setting and like with other people. But when it came to like my own true personal value or like my actual real life relationships, I realized that I was having a hard time with vulnerability and actually like talking about feelings. Yeah. And we expend so much energy going outside of ourselves and in letting go of quilt before liminal started, like I experienced a lot of stillness. Like I... I was allowed to grieve, you know, I was finally allowed to grieve really for the first time in this whole process. 
and do a lot of self-reflection and build essentially all of these practices. And I was working with a coach during this time who was helping guide me to my inner knowing, right? Yeah. So the busier we are, the more we're connecting with others, the more we're doing things because, you know, there's societal pressures or familial pressures or whatever that looks like. The problem can be that we don't have any space to develop our own inner knowing and that inner voice. And so I went through a six month period where I quieted everything and I got really in touch with myself. And for the first time in my life, I really felt self-love, self-worth, self-compassion. And all of a sudden these new ideas were surfacing and, and, you know, liminal was able to be born in a way I was like, Oh, this is what I've, meant the whole time I've been talking about connection. It's really been about connecting back to myself and listening to my own inner wisdom. And this is really the first time I'm, I have a, a, a consistent practice doing that. Not just like she comes, she knocks every few years yeah. and it's like yells at me <laughs> and like wakes me up and like horse corrects me. Yeah. Like she's here every day with me now. And that, that is really what healing to me looks like. Yeah, I love that. I love that you said that because I think you're so spot on when you say like we spend so much energy, even if you're not in like the fields that we are, like we spend so much energy like giving to the people around us that we love and like hearing their stuff that we like so frequently don't like acknowledge what's happening within. And I think that can be uncomfortable. And I caught myself like getting stuck in like, anxiety spirals about the future or what I'm doing at work or how my like dream is going to come to fruition. And I feel like instead of being still, which would allow me space to actually catapult me further, that's like, oh, well, that's uncomfortable and that's going to get in the way of my plan. So I'm not going to do it. When in reality, like that's what allows growth to happen so that you can get to the next level. Yeah. My coach recently said to me that employee number two is, are the, is like the, my higher self. Wow. You know, like the inner, like that's, it's, that's what's going on. And you, you know, you don't want the employee of your mind coming in and talking, 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 talking. Like that's not the most useful employee to have. No, definitely not. How would you say now, like moving into like starting this like new company and like you come out of this, like like almost like hibernation cocoon. <laughs> like how did you go in like preparing to make sure that like you didn't allow like your self-value and identity to be tarnished with what you were doing? How did you go in like leading with confidence in that way, starting a new project? Yeah, it's a good one. I'm, I'm in the thick of that now in such a practice. So I, I am very structured with my day. Okay. And I have to stay very structured with my day. So I'll give you my day. Yes, routine. I used to be so anti-routine, which I now call rituals. I I think of this as a a friend of mine told me, she's like, you live your life like it's a prayer. And I really appreciate her saying that. I love that. Because it feels true. I'm in kind of devotion to my day. And I try to have enough surrender that it guides me where I need to go. So I wake up, uh, usually before the sun is coming up, and I do a meditation that I love, which is like a, it's a Paul McKenna trance meditation. So there's one on inner confidence, cool. you know, there's one on physical well-being. There's one on like how to get rich, talking about rich in maybe a different context, but it's a very active trance that sets my belief systems in a really beautiful way. 
or I listen to like 10 minutes of Esther and Abraham Hicks or, or Byron Katie or Michael Singer. Love so that. there are people that speak in a way and your morning is the best time to fill your like mind with that versus like the thoughts of lack or not enoughness that are going to creep in by the time you've had a coffee. Totally. hundred percent. So I do things like, I do things like that. I do, I practice yoga every day. So I have an embodiment practice. I'm hyper analytical. My mind is very strategic and always on. So I move my body a lot throughout the day. I walk and talk for meetings. I do yoga just anytime I can kind of get my body moving. Recently, um, maybe the past three months, I've had uh, an intentional mantra that I say like so many times. It's literally, it's on it's on like a post-it note on my computer screen. It's in my calendar, um, which is that I am practicing peace and ease. I love that. I'm a big affirmation girly myself. <laughs> Whatever you want to feel, because I was experiencing a lot of chaos and I realized that chaos was coming from inside of me and so I being met with chaos outside of me. Totally. So I'm constantly just like, I am practicing peace and ease. Like they're doing construction downstairs for the past three days straight. I'm like practicing peace and ease. Yeah. I'm practicing peace and ease. I love that. So. I love that. I think people don't, I've talked about it so many times on here, but people think that like mantras and affirmations and morning rituals are just like a bunch of hippy dippy. But in reality, your inner voice is the strongest voice in your life. It's the strongest steering wheel. Like why would you not try to course correct it in the right direction first thing in the morning and I'm the same way where like I have such a crazy schedule so much chaos so much is happening at one time and I think in the entrepreneurial space like that's very fairly normal but I think it needs to be like counteracted with like ways to like calm your system and bring down your cortisol because then you start reacting and making decisions in this like stressed place and that's just not good energy to have yeah I mean I don't I don't think we spend enough time with our full-time companion which is the voice in our head yeah right yeah to me the the split where healing needs to exist is in bringing that voice in relation to our body and to our soul and to our path and you know that's what maybe sounds a little too uh hippy dippy or woo woo or out there I don't think it does but yeah I'm like here for it also the only thing we actually have control over is, I use the word control lightly, is our inputs. Yeah. So we cannot control an outcome, but I can control what I consume, who I talk to, the quality of those conversations, like the things that I am, you know, especially as a conversation on social media. It's like if I just open that up and just start mindlessly scrolling, all of a sudden I have a lot of inputs that I did not consent to. 100%. And that creates an out, that creates a reality outcome that is not for my highest good. Yeah. I love that you said that we're not even aware what we're submitting to, especially on social media. And I think that's another reason why community online and digitally, whether you're an influencer or just you have a business is so important because you're, you're creating a space that people aren't even aware that they're submitting to. And so subconsciously they don't even know that they're coming back for more because you've created a space of like positive energy which I feel like you've done with your company because you're literally connecting people talking to people and mentoring people and obviously people are coming back Mm -hmm. yeah 
what would you say are like a few tips, especially for me as like someone who is built, like continuing to build a community, maybe someone listening who has their own business. Like what are some like takeaways that you would say people need to think about or implement when building a community and especially a community that you want to connect with? Yeah. Um, well, I think it all comes back to knowing yourself and what you value and like what you want. So I, I take a little bit more of a responsibility role that when you're very clear on what it is that you want, like what would you like to happen? If you could sit down and imagine your ideal day from beginning to end and just every day think through that, think through how you wake up, think through who you interact with, how you feel when you interact, who you're collaborating with, are you home, are you out in the world, are you online? If you have complete clarity on what it feels like to be your most ideal self, I have a very strong belief that it starts to manifest for you. I'm a strong believer too that like if you want something to happen, you have to treat it like it's already there. Or like if you want something to be mm -hmm. big and you believe in your, its potential, like you have to act like it's already big. Oh yeah, use language like it's a reality versus I think I think I would like, you know, we want to move away from that and into the reality that you're in right now. And part of that, I, I, I always come back to values. There is no community without values, without principles, without ways that you live and breathe and exist. What do you care about? I care a lot about surrounding myself with people who are also on a personal growth journey. Yeah who want to take responsibility for where they are and where they want to go, who understand what, you know, gaslighting and projection looks like and can take responsibility when something like that happens, who prioritizes well-being, who prioritizes learning new things and being endlessly curious. I love, I'm a very playful spirit, so I am very drawn to people who will just be like, get weird and be yeah. silly with me. Yeah. And, you know, like life's short. Like I I'm not cool. Like that's who cares about being cool. Right. I love so that you said that because I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs, especially women, because I feel like women feel like they have something to prove. Like when they're an entrepreneur, yeah. they don't allow themselves to like feel the feelings or get emotional or like talk about what's happening to them and talk about like their values and like what they want to bring to a community. They kind of just expect it to happen. But I think when it comes to building a community and building a place where you actually feel connected to your audience, your buyers, whatever it is, you have to be able to like get vulnerable with yourself, with the community you're trying to build and like articulate your values. If you're not doing that, I don't yeah. know how you can expect that to happen, especially when human connection is based in vulnerability. And I would love for you to quickly talk about the little interaction you had with your therapist that you talked about in your bustle article, because you, you talk about something, what's it called? The like actual scientific term for effect labeling. Yeah. I remember I was, I was, this was when I used to sit in the therapist's office. So this was many years ago and I was I continue, and I did this many times in telling her, but this was the tipping point where I told her that I was in front of an investor. I was in Brentwood and I was in front of an investor and, you know, I thought things were going really well and answering all the questions. And I was so new. I hadn't raised capital yet. And, you know, I was, ner I was nervous. Yeah, of course. And he ended up, of course, of course, human. Yeah. And he ended up asking, he ended up asking these questions that I got very tripped up and, 
you know, I didn't feel like I could recover from. And I felt like, oh no, now I don't know my business. And now, and now I'm an imposter and all these feelings surfaced. And when the meeting ended, I like beeline for the bathroom and like had a freak out in the bathroom. And <laughs> I could totally, and then like compose myself and then, and then walked out. I feel like I'm like a cartoon character. And I was telling her about this and she said to me, she was like, do you usually hide first before expressing your feelings? She called you out. <laughs> I got full stop. I hate when therapists do that, but I love it. But I'm like, oh shit. She, like I'm paying you for this. She finally right? decided yeah. to call me out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my God, I do. I even, even excited. Like in my twenties, I'd be on a date. I'm like, oh my God, it's going well. And I go to the bathroom. I close, you know, I close the bathroom door and I'd be like, and yeah. I would just like, didn't know what to do with the excitable energy. And I would just like have this whole freak out and then go back and like act totally cool. Yeah. Um, or think I acted totally cool. <laughs> so she called me, she called me out on like all of these ways that I was physically creating a barrier to feel safe to then feel versus being out in, in my mind. I had this interpretation that if I'm out in the world, it's not safe to be me. It's not safe to feel. It's not safe to express. And by the way, rightfully so. I'm not suggesting just go out there and start, you know, letting everybody experience what that is with you because they may not know how to hold that. But I wasn't even doing it with my closest friends. I totally resonate to like this story. And that's why I loved this article so much because I, I, I want to connect with people. I want to create a safe space, but I'm not allowing myself in my own personal life to like experience that, like what I'm trying to offer to other people. And yeah. like, I think yeah. that pushing myself, I'm definitely not like a hundred percent where I would want to be. Like I'm still working through that stuff because I felt the same way. Like I don't feel all the time, like safe to like express like how I actually feel about something. I always want to like play cool. I always want to like make sure I protect myself so that if people don't react accordingly, that like I'll be okay, you know? But I think I've really been working on it. And as I've worked on it, I've noticed that like showing up to my business and the community has like been even stronger because I feel more aligned with like my true conscience and like reactions to things. Trust is scary, but worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So effect labeling is what, what explain to me what that is again, because I know that it's, it's cool when it comes to like building a community. Refers to this idea that labels, that's like labeling one's typically negative emotional state that results in a kind of a reduction of the conscious experience the physiological response or behavior that's like resulting from that emotional state so was it trippy for you to like kind of like hear that and then like learn this and research this and start practicing it and then realize that like you were doing this in your professional life the entire time and like getting to this point yeah I mean and this is we're full circle and just kind of like trusting in one thing leading to the next in your life, right? Like starting, starting in matchmaking, hearing everybody else's feelings and experiences, going into community building, realizing I wanted to be in the feelings, mental health space in the community, all as my journey is unfolding while I'm learning to have a relationship with my own feelings and understanding what it means to be a really deep feeler in a world that maybe isn't set up for us, us deep feelers, but to start creating a reality where I get to safely feel and be me and not shut that part off of me, which by the way, like 
I formerly, I am a former queen of disassociation, which is that definition, you know, of disconnecting to feel safe. Feeder kid and disassociation girls unite. Like, <laughs> I know we can start a community. We could. That should be one, a group. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, just as a little like segue, I would love for you to just like quickly explain like how it works, like how the app works, how people can even get on, like what you guys do. Okay, so my company, Liminal, we specifically work with people who are exploring a life change, a life transition, and they would like to be hand-matched to a coach that can help them along that journey. So cool. But also, yeah, also we've designed an app so that you can have a coaching experience that's much more flexible and much more accessible than I think what people typically think of when they think of coaching. Usually coaching comes in the form of like six months and thousands of dollars and major life transformation. And that can be a very beautiful thing for people who want to do that. But there's also a place where, okay, maybe I'm wanting to figure out what my purpose is and I want to spend the next month working one-on-one with a coach who is specifically matched to me. So we have this matchmaking system where we hand match you and you get to have some live calls, but you also get to be in text messaging. So you get to work with your coach through voice notes and videos and messages and action plans. So we have these interactive tools where your coach will check in with you every day and just help you make these big shifts, but in tinier steps. That's so cool. It's like you have a support system. What would you say to someone wanting to start a business? Maybe they're scared of failure. Maybe they've already tried something and it hasn't worked out. What would you say to them? I've taken, as anybody here listening can probably tell, I've taken a very experimental approach to my entire life. I love that. Like I am one living, breathing experiment and I'm a guinea pig to experiences. And I think if we don't take everything so seriously and we just think about our life as an experiment and say there's something you're really called to or really excited about, like what's one little experiment that you can do without having, it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have the big hairy ass goal. You know, it's just... What's like the little thing you want to do towards that this week? Um, obviously, I've set Liminal up to be just like that, a coaching experience that helps you just like take on life in like these little steps. Um, yeah. What what fun thing can you do with it? Yeah. Uh, and I would go from there. I think we like all like as humans, I think it's just like a part of the human condition. We put so much charge into everything. Like everything is so make it or break it. And I think we need to do a better job at working on taking the charge away from failure. Like it's normal for things not to work out. Like you said, it's an experiment. You'll get to your goal quicker if you experiment more and fail more. Because it's like the odds of hitting it on the nose on the first try are just not realistic. That's not life. And I think we need to think about it that way. Yeah, I mean, we are productivity engines. And I always say, I'm like a, a recovering productivity addict. Yeah. Like, Uh, like full stop and it comes from a place of like nothing was ever enough I wanted to do more and more and more and more and when we realize like we are whole we are good exactly as we are and everything we're doing is just an opportunity to learn and grow hopefully that helps quiet that anxious feeling of like I'm not there yet and I wish I'd accomplished this and why didn't I do that and the kind of shame cycle which is just like 
we have to go so much easier on ourselves than we are. Yeah, I think the reality is that like no matter what we do, it's never good enough if you're in that mindset. Like we become these machines and like totally. everything we want, if even if it does come to fruition, like it's still never good enough if your like self-value isn't there. And if you're not putting like yourself as an individual separate from your career goals, jobs, and the outcome of that. And I think like a way I've done that, and it sounds like you too, is like I've started to indulge in things that I enjoy that like aren't tied to work necessarily so that I can feel like I am like separate from what I'm doing and that like my mood isn't tied to like the ups and downs of my career. Such an important lesson to learn. Yeah. I'm so happy. Yeah, that's there. Oh, this has been such a good conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. Super inspiring to me. All female entrepreneurs who have just like been through it. I have so much respect for you. I'm really excited to see how the app continues to grow. I always ask people like at the end of every episode, looking back on like the journey that you've been on so far, how do you see it? Uh, I would call it transformational. The the emoji of my new app is a butterfly. Ooh, I love that. You know, and obviously there's quite a cycle of evolution for a butterfly to exist. And so I don't know where anybody's at who's listening to this, but just remembering the transformation that we're like always going through. It's never ending. Yeah. So that's how I I feel like a lot of times I'll like catch myself like fighting it. Like I'm almost like not accepting that life isn't supposed to be this like straight line. Yeah. Become so existential and like so intense about the things we want and don't want. And we like are upset when it doesn't go our way. And I think we have to like remind ourselves like it's not normal for this to be a straight line. Like I wouldn't even like be having this idea or like even indulging in human connection or community if I wasn't at some point in time in this line low. Yeah, I mean, well, you have the gift of self-awareness, but you know, with every gift, there's a shadow and (laughs) self-awareness also brings you to a lot of presence on reality, you know, and that's another thing to grapple with and be aware of and learn. It means you can hold it right? You can hold a lot of truths at one time. Yeah. So I think that's, I think it's a good sign, but I get it. I totally get it's it. It's like um, me and my friend will always joke because she's like very existential as well. Like we'll always joke like, oh, I wish I would have taken that blue pill for the matrix instead of the red one or whatever one it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. I commented on that same thing with many friends and we've all, you know, decided we're happy we took the red pill. I think it's the red pill. Yeah. I'm like, whatever one, the, the like, technically good but feels bad one is <laughs> yeah 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 that one. that's so funny I also have to ask you too musical theater wise like what is your like favorite musical I need to know like, what's your go-to like oh if you're, you're on a long drive or trip and you're in the mood to play your go-to album what is it I'm so I'm gonna be a cliche and say wicked oh, right now yeah. because for my birthday one of the longest running alphabas happened to be at my karaoke birthday and I got Aww. to sing for good with, for good with her as a duet as Glinda. Oh my gosh. So Did you die? I'm all I died. <laughs> like I'm all in and I died. And so I've been re-listening to Wicked for like three straight months. Okay, so here's the thing. Wicked is not cliche at all because it's just so good that it's just not cliche. Like every time I see yeah. it, I've seen it like five times now every time I see it I cry and like no one mourns the wicked like in the beginning like right intro and I'm just like I don't know why I'm crying 
I'm a pud- I'm a puddle at the overture. I know at the puddle at the overture. I literally watched Phantom of the Opera last night on my TV because I've been listening to Phantom soundtrack R.I.P. all week. I know. I've literally been listening to it all week, and I'm just like, I need to just watch it because obviously, like, my inner child is like, watch Phantom of the Opera. And I did. And yeah, I felt so yeah. Good. It's like it's like why I watch Center Stage one time a year. Let's be honest. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Please thank drop you. your socials and like how people can find the app and all of that, and I'll put it in the show notes too. Yeah. Yeah, so Stay Liminal is our social. StayLiminal.com is where you can go. And we actually offer a free trial of coaching for anyone who wants support in career, purpose, mindset, accountability. So you fill out a survey and you end up talking to one of us. And then we do a matchmaking process for you all for free. Wow, that's amazing. So come do that. Ashley J. Sumner is my Instagram. I launched a broadcast channel today. And then I'm very active on LinkedIn. I give a lot of like education as a as a founder as a woman on LinkedIn so please come connect with me and follow me there I love that thank you so much this was so fun thank you Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope you leave here feeling motivated and inspired. Do not forget to rate and review the pod on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to follow How I See It Pod so you can keep up with podcast updates and see who's coming on next. And if you're not already, come join the fam and follow at How Hand Sees It. Thank you guys.